happy, 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 happy new year to everybody. 2024. It's a new year. Lots of hopes and dreams that we can uh, accomplish and fulfill this year. Let's all try to start the year off with a positive, uplifting attitude. How about that? If you're driving around in your car, give a smile. Feel good about what's going on out there in, in the world of opportunity for the year 2024. And if you're a college football fan, rejoice. What a great day of football action we have today. I think we could call this the Big Ten versus SEC day. We got three games. That those, three conf- those two conferences squaring off. We're going to break down each of those games to a certain degree. I really want to spend the most amount of time and the most amount of detail dissecting the two big ones, baby. The playoffs are here for college football. We got Alabama and Michigan playing later today, and we got Texas and Washington, a game that I am, I've had circled on my radar. That's the most interesting bowl game of the entire slate for the year. I love, love the scoring action possibility for this game tonight. I think there's going to be tons of points in Texas and Washington. So we'll start out with the big game earlier in the day. SEC against the Big Ten. Kicks off around 12, a little after Wisconsin and LSU. LSU's a team I watched a bunch this year. A bunch because my man Jaden Daniels is on the squad. He's not playing, but I still love you, Jaden Daniels. You're my pick for the number one draft pick. Overall, if the Patriots had it, I want you. You are the guy I think should be number one in the draft this year. Not Caleb Williams. As we saw the backup roll in last week for USC, roll out of bed. That Moss guy throws six touchdowns and over 300 yards in one game. He had one interception. That was on the goal line. If that had been a completion, that backup quarterback for USC would have had seven touchdown passes in a bowl game against Louisville. Seven. Caleb Williams actually hurt his draft stock by not playing in that game. That's my take. No way would I take that guy with the number one, number one pick. I'm taking Jaden Daniels, unless you're the Bears. The Bears get that pick. I kind of like Justin Fields, so I, I can waver a little bit, but they would probably trade it. Who knows? There's a world of action out there in the NFL draft. We'll be talking about that in the days and months ahead here on The Sports Machine with Slim. As I tell people all the time, we're next generation level sports talk radio. Like We're doing things on this show that other sports talk stations and channels, just they're not doing. These shows aren't doing the same type of stuff, whether it's not taking our stuff so seriously. Uh, I make predictions all the time. I'm wrong on plenty of them, but I'm willing to face the music and admit it. And I welcome callers to the show to poke fun of me and tell me, hey, maybe they know more about something than I do. I would agree with you. You probably do. There's certain things I know more than about you as well, too. So we can bounce back and forth. On the football action, I wouldn't tell you to go run and making any plays on my suggestions. But I think LSU's going to have a tough time scoring in the game against Wisconsin. Just my initial take. I remember when Jaden Daniels got knocked out of the game against Alabama. I was heavy on LSU back then. I loved Jaden Daniels to win the Heisman. That's Back then he was around 12-1. to 1. He ended up winning it. But when he went out of the game against Alabama, yikes. Things did not look smooth. And you forget... That kid can run like crazy. When you got a game plan as a defense against a running quarterback 
who has speed like that, it just changes everything about your game planning. Well, take that out of the mix on the LSU offense. I think they're going to struggle to score some points. I think Wisconsin has that type of defense where they just want to grind you into a slow-paced game, let the clock tick. That's how they play on offense as well, and I could see this being a tight battle. Here's the deal. In today's games, especially the early ones, we got some pretty big spreads. We got LSU's favored by 10. Then you look at Tennessee is playing against Iowa, another SEC Big Ten matchup. Tennessee's minus 6. Then Oregon is minus 16 and a half against Liberty. I don't know that Oregon's too jacked up for that game. We'll talk a little bit more about it with my brother Dave as he joins the show in a little bit. But for now, I'm going to give my initial takes on these three earlier games. And as I said, I think Wisconsin's going to keep the game close. I think out of these three early games, one of the underdogs is going to win. It's just the way that it always works. People are going in, they'll take, okay, I want LSU on the money line. I want Tennessee on the money line. I want Oregon on the money line. Those three teams, they're going to win, and I want them all on the money line. It's just, it doesn't work like that. Not everybody wins, as we know. Remember our Christmas holiday, everybody? Don't repeat the sins of our past. Christmas Eve, Patriots upset Denver. Everybody liked Denver. Christmas Day, Kansas City loses to the Raiders at Kansas City. Baltimore steamrolls San Fran at San Fran. Everybody liked the other side. That's a big piece of the action that I I look at when I'm predicting games. I say, hey, everybody's going to like the favorites. Sometimes the underdogs are going to win, and I guarantee you one of these underdogs is going to win. Who's it going to be? I'm going to say it's Wisconsin. I love Jaina Daniels. The fact that he's not there, I know LSU's got the weapons. I know they have the speed in the wide receiver position. I don't even know if the neighbor's kid, that wide receiver from LSU, who's incredible, I don't even know if he's playing in the game. But if he's not, it's like it almost doesn't matter because they're going to have somebody else who's incredibly fast. LSU's just a recruiting machine nowadays. And Wisconsin, I don't know if you're a recruiting machine, but you got a game plan and a style that fits in to winning a team that's without their starting quarterback. Winning a game against a team that's just going to have to learn to play a little bit of a different way on offense. Jaden Daniels isn't going to be there to avoid the rush, escape the sacks, and then run for a 30-yard gain. Or you know, throw a 60-yard dart right on the money to one of his receivers. I'm all in on Wisconsin keeping that game within 10 points. So I'll come out with that prediction, and I'll welcome in my brother Dave to the show. Thank you, Dave, for taking some time out of your New Year's uh, weekend. This is a taped show, so people that like to call Sports Talk Radio, you are welcome on other days. 603-224-1450 is our number. Don't call it today. This is a taped show. My brother Dave, what do you think about Wisconsin and LSU? I I think that Brian Kelly is a decent coach. He should have his team ready to go. I just don't really know a whole lot about their backup quarterback. I know Jaden Daniels got hurt for a game, so he has some experience, assuming that he hasn't entered the transfer portal. I think that's even the LSU team, <laughs> but there's so many people are transferring all over the place. But if he's playing, at least they have somebody who's been in there, you know, ran the offense for a game or two. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about Wisconsin. I, I, they, they, they seem to have changed a lot from what they did traditionally with the big running backs, a lot of carries, a lot of yards. But 
you know, in that game, I would lean more towards the SEC and LSU in that game. But admittedly, with the transfer portal, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about this game. Well, what I know is the it's the SEC versus Big Ten day. That's what I mentioned to start out the show here. We got Wisconsin, LSU, Tennessee's playing Iowa, and then later on we got Alabama against Michigan. I'm just like a scoreboard guy on some level. Look at the SEC. They've won the last three national titles. They are absolutely stacked at the top of that conference. I think Michigan, Georgia, two of the best four teams in the league without a question. For the Big Ten, is Penn State real? Is Ohio State real? Is Michigan real? Probably. We're going to find out tonight. But I just look at the Big Ten and say, yeah, I, I don't think that conference is as good as the top of the SEC. But LSU minus their Heisman winning <laughs> quarterback, I think just resets LSU down a peg. And Wisconsin has a brand of a ball that uh, you know they, they want to keep the game close. Yeah, so I think that that's the thing. We're going to run through the show today. But I do think it's a down year for the SEC. I don't think the SEC is nearly as strong as they've been in the last few years. And we're going to see by the end of the weekend, by the end of the day today, whether or not that take is actually true or not. But I also think that the Big Ten is pretty good. I do know some of the recruiting class that Penn State had. I thought Penn State had a really, really good chance to actually run their schedule this year. I thought they had a chance to come out of the Big Ten. You know, and, of course, their two losses to Ohio State and Michigan, they were both relatively close games. You know, I mean, Penn State was in them until the end. They really had a good shot in the first one. Just they just once the first one hit the board, you know, they kind of just kind of let go of the reins a little bit. But I think the Big Ten is actually pretty good this year. So you already know my take of where I'm going to be going at the big game: Michigan versus Alabama. Interesting. Well, the fact that we're taping this in advance is, uh, um, yeah, I guess a little bit held against us because yesterday on Sunday, Ole Miss played Penn State. And Maryland's playing Auburn, so we'd have more Big Ten slash SEC matchup <laughs> exposure and experience to refer to as we move along in the show today. We're heading to our very first commercial break. Stay tuned. Dave's going to hold on the line and come back with us as we break down Tennessee and Iowa and a little bit of Liberty and Oregon action in the next 10 minutes. We're going to save the last half hour of the show for the two big ones coming up tonight, Alabama, Michigan, Texas, Washington. You are listening to WKXL Radio, the sports machine with Slim. It's 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com is where you can listen to us live on the web. Come back to the Sports Machine with Slim. New Hampshire's next generation sports talk radio show. Right here on WKXL. Take a look at the dial. You're listening to us. You're driving down 93. You're going to visit family. You're going to visit friends. You're going to pick up uh, your kids because they were babysat last night as you went. Oh, good for you. Congratulations. Take a look at the dial we're on. Just plug it into the save. Just hold it down so you know where to go when you're driving along any day between 10 and and 11 weekdays we're on the air live and it's replayed later in the day as well so uh, if you want to get on board with new hampshire's hottest sports talk radio show you're here it's pretty simple and there's cool stuff we're doing so you can look into it and uh, catch us on the web anywhere in your favorite social media site sports machine nh is where you can find us let's jump back into the sec versus big 10 action that's coming up here today 
Tennessee and Iowa. I'm going to tell you right now, people, I haven't watched a ton of college football. When I did this year, it was LSU games, and it was Alabama, it was Michigan here and there, Texas and Washington, Oregon a little bit as well. But Tennessee versus Iowa, I did watch a handful of Iowa games. I don't know much about their players, and I'm going to tell you what, they didn't deserve for me to know much about them on their offense. They're, they played in the game, their most recent game, I think the over-under for the game was like 28 points. This team, you want to watch a horrible offensive team? Gear up. Buckle up. The Iowa Buckeyes are coming to uh, to town here in a couple of hours. They're playing <laughs> today, New Year's Day, against Tennessee. Tennessee's favored by six. I'm... I don't know who to take, Dave. I don't know enough about Tennessee, but maybe my brother Dave can share more light on this game for you folks than I can. <laughs> well, Slim, you know, after hearing your take, I'm sure that I was going to find a way to produce 35 <laughs> points. <laughs> but, but, you know, I have also watched a lot of these two games, uh, these two teams play this year. And uh, Tennessee loves to try and go fast. They, they run uh, plays every, whatever it is, 18 seconds. I mean, they like to get up on top of the ball. If that ball is inbounds and the clock is running, they, they continuously get on top of the ball. Sometimes they'll snap it in 12 seconds. You know, but the problem with that is you've lost your quarterback, Milton, to, to the NFL. Right? He's already pulled himself out. He's preparing for the draft. He's not going to be in the game. And that really is a precision offense. And I, I don't know if you remember the last couple of years, they've had some real high-quality teams down there in Tennessee. They beat Alabama last year. Right, and, and then they're their quarterback, and I can't remember what his name is off the top of my head, but I know he got hurt. And then, you know, Tennessee really, really struggled because when you're running an up-tempo offense like that, and then you got to bring in a quarterback who hasn't been a part of it, it doesn't matter what you replicate in practice, I think it's really hard to transfer it to the field. And against a stout defense like Iowa, Iowa does have a top-ten defense in college football. I lean towards Iowa. I think Iowa's got a really good chance of winning this game as a touchdown underdog. And, and again, I'm biased. I think the SEC is down this year, so I, I, and I do like the Big Ten. So I think Iowa was a really good play in this game. Yikes. I can't get behind playing Iowa. I just think they, their offense is so bad. Now, I don't know how Tennessee's defense is going to stack up. Honestly, the SEC against the Big Ten. We're going to find out everything today. I mean, I, I hope the, the teams aren't all split or the games aren't all split, Dave, with like, you know, one for the SEC, one for the Big Ten, one for the SEC. One. I just hope one conference steams ro- steamrolls right through the weekend and shows, hey, we're the best. I'm going to assume it's the SEC. So I got to go opposite of you. I got to take Tennessee and uh, lay the six points just because if Iowa gets behind, I, I don't know how they're going to score. Interesting insight, though, about changing the quarterback. There's always an aberration. You know, the conferences play whatever it is, five bowl games, six bowl games over the course of the weekend against each other. You know, this is going to be, I, I, I'm expecting going to go four and one, four and two, you know, something along those lines. Because coaching matters, especially when you get to this time of the year when you're losing a lot of players to the transfer portal or to pull themselves out to get ready to be for the NFL draft, which, by the way, this is all totally going to change next year because when all these teams are playing for a national championship and they're playing in a playoff scenario, they're all going to be engaged because this is why you play, right? Ultimately, if you know you're going to get drafted by the NFL, why are you even playing in your last three regular season games? Why not pull yourself out after week eight if you already know that you're going to be a first-round pick? So so they pay, they, they play to win, right? So next year, this isn't going to be a topic, but this year here, and that's why coaching is so important. And, uh, and Friesen, I think that... Uh, Ferentz, uh, right? Kirk Ferentz is Ferentz. coach of Iowa, right? He's been there forever now. Been there forever. 
is proven. He knows how to get a team ready for these scenarios. And that's why I lean towards Iowa to win the game. That was such a great point, Dave, that you brought up here. And I want to I spend a minute or two more talking about it. Everybody, There's been so many changes in college football through the years. I mean, now we've narrowed it down to where you get the, the final four teams and we have the big reveal show and FSU got screwed. Or, you know, they didn't get get in there. Can I say that? I think I can on the radio. Uh, they got they should not have uh, been left out of the playoff. That's the view of many people for Florida State this year. But everything's going to change going into next year. There's going to be how many teams, Dave? Twelve teams will make the kind of final Correct. playoff next season. Well, here's the deal: the reason why these changes are happening, it's set in, it was made in advance here because there's tons of kids that are opting out from all these big bowl games, like Caleb Williams. He didn't play in USC's final bowl game. You got the starting quarterback for Tennessee. Jaden Daniels is not playing for LSU today. These guys are all opting out. Why? Because there's really nothing to play for, and they can only kind of risk maybe getting injured or hurting their draft stock. Well, next year, you're going to have 12 teams that will all be in the hunt and all have an equal chance to win the national title. So now, all of a sudden, all these biggest-name players from all these teams, they're all going to be playing in the bowl games. You would like to think so? Now, I will say, right, what if what if by some chance next year, you know, players decide to pull themselves out, right? They decide not to play in the, in the playoffs. I won't draft them. Playoffs. I won't draft well, them if I'm an NFL organization. You don't you don't want to be part of your team having a championship, potential championship run. You sacrifice your teammates, all sacrifice to that level all season, and then you don't want to play with them anymore when there's a chance to actually like win something? That's my point. It exactly is that. I think it reflects on the player. Hey, the money means more right, than the winning. And uh, maybe that's not always the case, but I can't think of an instance, and I'm sure there's one or two out there over the last 10, 20 years where somebody's gotten hurt in their bowl game or at the end of the season, which is why these players have all started to pull themselves out of the scenario so that they don't affect their draft status. You know, but I think you're going to see this, this spring Caleb Williams having impacted his draft status a lot when he drops because his backup played for him in the bowl game and threw six touchdowns and looked like a stud. And so now all of a sudden, Caleb Williams, well, maybe those numbers aren't, aren't as good as we all think they are because of the teams that he's playing against. Absolutely. It's, it's Kyler Murray all over again. You said the coach of USC was a coach for Kyler Murray at, um, oh, what school was it? Oklahoma. Did? Sorry, Lincoln Oklahoma, Riley. right. And, and he put up crazy stats. Now, he's a good player. He's a good player. I like him, Kyler Murray, but... Is he a big-time winner? I mean, has he come in and set the NFL on fire? Arizona's record, they're tied. Or they have the second-worst record in the NFL. Like, well, winners, winners are, are, are the difference in, in college quarterback. So you have your quarterbacks who come into programs that have a ton of talent, and they win. But they don't win because they're winners. They win because of talent. Then you have other quarterbacks in college football who go to programs, and they win because they're winners. And those are the quarterbacks that, if you watch in the translation to the NFL, I think those are the ones that have the most success. Tua Tagovailoa has gone to the NFL, and he's been good. He's surrounded with a ton of talent again. But the Alabama, it's not a. It's, I don't think it's a coincidence that Alabama hasn't set out a great NFL pro, you know, quarterback as of yet. Mac Jones. So, 
right. Mac Jones is another one, and there's there's plenty more. Right? I mean, the Jets drafted uh, Greg, Greg McElroy, McElroy, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, there's, there's been plenty of. We can keep going through them if you, you know, and, and pull up. But, but the reality is, like those programs that have a ton of offense, they're, they're bringing in good quarterbacks that that can fit their system. And so then you see the other guys that have had a lot of success. Patrick Mahomes, like he he went to Texas Tech. Where has Texas Tech been since he left? Where was Texas Tech before he was there? Right? Like, so, and it's the same thing. You've seen it with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was at Iowa State. Iowa State was not good before Brock Purdy. And Iowa State has not really been good after Brock Purdy. They've been a little bit better, but they're not what they were with Brock. So Brock Purdy was a winner. Right now, he, his talent level might not be that great, but he's a winner. He makes the right plays. He sees the game the right way. Like that's, I think that's the difference between college and NFL. I'm with you. you got to be a guy who's going to come into the huddle and have earned the respect of your teammates, and that's why I say Jaden Daniels should be the number one pick overall, and I hope he slides the Patriots wherever we end up picking. I hope we're smart enough to take this guy. If you watched his Heisman Trophy acceptance speech and you listened to how people talked about him, this guy wants to get in the locker room in the gym early before everybody else. He's a worker. And I want somebody with that mindset leading a team in addition to his ridiculous six foot four height, incredible off the chart speed, arm strength where he can throw a dart 60 yards down the field. Dave, we're heading to commercial for the end of this segment. We're going to open up our next segment with uh, the Liberty against Oregon talk. I just wanted to spend the extra time there on just the discussion about how the best players in college football, a lot of them aren't playing in these bowl games. They're playing in the two big ones tonight. The teams that have the national championship on the line, those players are all playing. We're going to cover those games in detail coming right up on the Sports Machine with Slim. You're listening to WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, nhtalkradio.com live, online, and you can catch all our past shows right there. If you can hear an increased level of excitement in my voice, that's because we're getting closer to kickoff of the college football playoffs. I'm excited. Tonight's games are going to be awesome. I can't wait to break them down. Texas, Washington, and Alabama, Michigan. That's coming right up. But first, we're going to spend a minute or two on Liberty and Oregon so that people know you're listening to the Sports Machine with Slim. First of all, take a look at that dial you're listening to in your car radio. This is the place you want to be. You want to listen to a next-generation sports talk radio show? Right here on WKXL, you're doing it right now, the Sports Machine with Slim. We're breaking down the college football games we got Liberty. I think their nickname is the Flames, Dave. I'm not even positive. The Liberty Correct. Flames. Very good. Okay, that's what you're here to provide the ex- expert insight. Where I'm just rambling, you kind of uh, bring some facts to the table. Liberty, 13-0, but had one of the softest schedules in the country. They run up against an Oregon team who's probably a little bit disappointed that they didn't make it into the playoff if they had beaten Washington would Oregon have made the playoffs, do you think, Dave, and still FSU been out with zero losses? No doubt about it. If Oregon won against Washington, Oregon would be playing for a national championship this evening. Instead, they're playing the Flames of Liberty. <laughs> well, what do you think is going to happen in that game? I have no clue, I'll tell you honestly. <laughs> it's, it's all motivation. The Liberty, I think they played five games in a row. They've won by at least 13 points. 
you mentioned that they're thirteen and zero. They haven't played a close game in six weeks. You know, so this doesn't really strike me as a team that if it's a close game is gonna is gonna find a way to win, right? Like I, I I like teams that win a lot of close games because if they find a way to keep it close, they, maybe they'll find a way to pull it out. This isn't that team. They played a really weak conference. They beat up on a lot of really bad teams. If Oregon is motivated, and and when I say motivated, come ready to play like seventy five percent of what you're <laughs> capable of, they're gonna lay the wood to Liberty. Kinda, kinda motivated. What I will tell people is this is Liberty's fifth straight bowl appearance. The Flames are three and one in those previous four bowl games, but none were against Power Five opponents. So they're stepping up a notch right here. And uh, uh, like you said, Dave, I, I think the Ducks are favored by sixteen and a half. People are siding on your side here, expecting a blowout. Love it. Oh, I, I, I love hearing all those things, all the good things about Liberty. I think if the line was 60 and a half and they were playing for a national championship, Oregon would cover. I'm reading on the internet right now as we talk, Liberty leads college football with 302.9 rushing yards per game. Caden Salter is a fantastic dual-threat quarterback. How about that? There's some more pumping it up. Boom. Love it. Talk Liberty all day long. And then I'm going to the windows and betting the duck. (laughs) I'm with you. Let's go. Alabama and Michigan. Dave, this is exciting for me. I do have a long ticket from uh, a couple months ago where I took Alabama to win the national title. I do. I just like that that quarterback. I was going to say running back, but quarterback, Milton, this guy, uh, super-duper fast in a straight line. Michigan better not let him break through any level of containment because if he gets going, they're not going to catch him. Alabama's my pick in this game. Yeah, so this is what this is what the whole season's been about, right? The true college football fans. We watch all of these games. We watch all the the conference championships really for today, right? To to watch these two games tonight and and imagine Michigan and Alabama. I, I just it didn't seem like this was a possibility five weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe even three weeks ago. Right, it started to come when Michigan beat Ohio State. I mean, we didn't know who was going to be there. Georgia or Alabama was the same thing. Georgia had won however many straight games in a row. <laughs> they found a way to lose to Alabama. I mean, now you have these two two heralded programs, big time programs. You I mean probably the two biggest names in coaching, right? I mean, if, you, if you're going to talk about college football coaches, who's more recognizable right now than Saban or Harbaugh? I mean, this is how we open up the Final Four. It's a fantastic matchup, I, I, and it should be a really, really good game. The one thing I'm going to say, if you really, before we really break down the games, is if you look at the, the the Final Four in college football over the years, they're usually really, really big lines. And this is the first time that I can remember, and I, and I'm, and I'm, I know it's only been whatever ten years. I can't think of another time when there were two games being played in the Final Four where the lines were less than four points. I think that it's a phenomenal night of football. The, right. Anybody can win it. I mean, I know the betting favorite to win it all is is Michigan, but it's close with Alabama. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the winner of the Texas-Washington game go in and win the next week, especially if it's Texas. I, I will say uh, we're going to preview Texas and Washington, I think, in the last ten minutes. I feel Texas's offense, very strong. Washington's offense, can play with the best of them. I feel Washington's defense is just a cut below the other three teams that are playing in the in the finals here. Alabama, when they squared off against LSU, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the game, Dave, but I remember a couple of plays Jaden Daniels made to kind of keep the game close during the first half with throws where his receivers were just blanketed. 
They, and he found a way to throw a perfect pass, and his receivers were so awesome they were able to catch the ball, and they scored. I, I don't think it was looking at Alabama going, wow, their defense is, is not good. It was like, wow, they are good. LSU's just was the next level of offense. So I don't know if Michigan has been playing against the same level of competition that Alabama has. It's tough to play in the Bayou at night. I know that LSU has this uh, history of playing really, really good in night games. And if I remember right, it was definitely dark in the second half. <laughs> Maybe it was four o'clock start time against LSU, but they were playing at night at some point in that game. And LSU did look pretty good. Because Alabama, Alabama is very good this year, right? Like their quarterback has made a lot of, Nova has made a lot of inroads over the course of the year. I mean, he got benched, I think, in the third game of the year. He was, he did not look good. He's really found his legs. And I think that that's, that's what's propelled Alabama to the streak that they're on. They don't have the same weapons that they've had. If you look at the last eight years, they have produced wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver. They don't seem to have that this year. And so for me, you know, they needed their quarterback to find his legs. The fact that they're going against a Michigan team that I just think Michigan is stout against the run. <laughs> Michigan is one of the, If you're going to beat them, I think you have to be able to pass the ball. Right, like that's the team that's going that Michigan's going to be susceptible to. I just, I don't think Alabama's going to be able to pass the ball. I don't like any of their wide receivers. I don't think. I mean, I'm sure that they'll have a pro prospect in there in the next year or two. But right now, they don't even have a, a wide receiver on that team that would probably go in the th- top three rounds of the NFL draft. And so you're putting a lot on Milro to go in there and beat a Michigan team that has shown, especially against an Ohio State team, that had some weapons, had Marvin Harrison Jr., one of the best wide receivers or, or the best wide receiver in football, and they were able to slow that team down. I just I don't know how Alabama is going to score in this game. I, I like That's my struggle, where I think Michigan knows who they are. They know what they do. They pass when they need to. They like to control the clock. They run the ball. J.J. McCarthy is a really solid quarterback. He can use his legs as well as use his arm. I think Michigan, this is a really, really good spot. Anybody who likes Alabama, it's historical data. If you've watched football this year, Michigan is the better football team. This, this is not. That's why that line is one. But I think a lot of people are on Alabama because the last four years the SEC has ruled. I think I think that's coming to an end this year. They might be back on top next year, but I think Michigan is is definitely the better team in this matchup. Interesting take, Dave. What I'm going to do is look at the other side here and look at Michigan and who they've played against. And I I know they played at Maryland with. Uh, to a, to a, how do we say it? Tiger <laughs> Vailoa, his brother. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, his brother. And I'm like, all right, he runs the ball. But he ran for eight times for minus 43 yards is what the, st- the statistics say in that box score. I don't know if that's correct, but I don't think they've played against any running quarterbacks, Dave. Iowa, Ohio State, Maryland, P- Penn State, Purdue, Michigan State, Indiana, Minnesota, Nebraska, Rutgers. They haven't played against a quarterback with rushing potential and speed like Milrow has for for Alabama. And so, yeah, they have a defensive line that can stop the run, but are they going to be able to rush and pressure the quarterback while keeping contain? They haven't had to do that all year. That would be my contention. Yeah, listen, I just think Harbaugh has the weapons to do it on defense. He has the team, and he's shown at every level. He's, he's won, he won at Stanford. He got recruited to the NFL. He won at Stanford. He turned that organization around. He then goes to Michigan. Michigan, two years, got crunched by Georgia in their, their first appearance in the Final Four. Then last year, they played TCU in the first round, and they were a big favorite in that game, and they ended mm-hmm. up losing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, so they've gotten progressively better. 
They've gotten progressively better each of these years under Harbaugh. And now, to me, it's it's going to conclude with them. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to win the NCAA with the finals, but I think in this game here, I, I, he's got the pieces on the defensive line and the linebacking core to make sure that Alabama, they're going to make it a pass game for Milrow. And I just, I don't like Milrow with his pocket QB. And I don't like any of his wide receivers this year. So, so I'm in on Michigan. I would agree. I don't love him as a pocket QB. He can make a throw. He can make a big play. He has time and time again during this this season. I mean, he did in the championship game for the SEC against against Georgia. I'm, I'm a Milrow fan. And did you hear what he said in the interview the other day as we start to wind uh, this segment down here? Um, he said that Bill O'Brien... The offensive coordinator for the Patriots, who used to coach on the staff there at Alabama, he said that Milro told uh, said that O'Brien told him he shouldn't play quarterback. That he that he quote unquote sucked at quarterback. I did I did not see that, but uh, I'm hoping uh, Harbaugh finds a way to make that through. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a little bit of extra motivation. Milro has it. Alabama has it. I think they're taking down Michigan. I don't think Michigan has faced a team with this type of speed yet this year. Let's see, me and Dave are on opposite sides. Let's see if we're on the same side when it comes to Texas-Washington. We're talking about that next on WKXL Radio, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester. On the web, we're at NH, New Hampshire, talkradio.com. We're coming back in a second. The Sports Machine with Slim. And this is the game I've been waiting to talk about, people. I've been thinking about this game for weeks. Talking about it on the air for weeks. Here on WKXL. Texas and Washington square off tonight. I am going to hold my opinion on this. I'm going to let my brother Dave go ahead and start out the discussion for this game. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is definitely the, uh, the fun game of the weekend for me. Because a couple months back, after Texas lost to Oklahoma, I immediately was on the Texas bandwagon at 18-1 to at the local casinos because I loved the rest of their schedule, and I didn't think they could lose again. And so I made a future play on them at that point in time, and now here we go. They were a favorite in this game, which is great for me because there's a lot of different things I can do. So, But this game itself is really interesting. The only game that I that I know of right now that, that, that these two conferences are matched up against, Arizona played Oklahoma. Arizona won by 14. Right, and that's you know uh, uh, Arizona really playing good football at the end of the year. Oklahoma was you know whatever maybe the second or third best team in the in the in the Big Ten conference. Of course, this is their final year, so I don't know how motivated they were on the way out. But I, I will say that I think this game is going to be a lot of fun. I think that Texas is going to be able to move the ball. I think Twin Ewers is the MVP next year. I think he's going to end up winning your Heisman Trophy in 2024. That's my early prediction. I think he'd be the top quarterback out of the class he was coming out this year, but he's not, you know, at least not at this point in time. We'll see what happens in the bowl games. But I really, really like him as a quarterback. Michael Penix is, I think, a fifth-year, fifth sixth-year senior. I mean, the guy is a winner, right? He won at Indiana before he, he changed that kind of that college program and really brought them to a, to a point where they hadn't been a long time, and they've regressed since he's left. He transferred over to Washington, and I don't think it's coincidence that they went over there. They won 13-0. They won 13-0. Whatever, 13 and 0. Uh, they beat Oregon twice. Oregon is really well thought of in the sports world. 
for me, this game is really going to come down to the quarterback, right? Which one is going to play better? Washington has played a lot of close games, which I do like. If this is a close game, Washington's probably going to find a way to win because that's what Michael Panix does. But I don't. I I actually think that this is the game that's not going to be close. I think Texas is going to put a beating on Washington in this you game. Do. But mm. I do. I, I like when yours a lot. Like I, I I think he's the he is the best pocket quarterback I've seen in, in college football in the last handful of years. You know, what I mean, like he just he manipulates the pocket. He 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 sees the field. He makes the right throws. I mean, he's not perfect, but he's really only been a mess. He got hurt last year. He did get hurt this year, which took him out of the Heisman running. He missed a couple of games this year. The team was able to hang on for him. But I just think he is. I think this is going to be his showcase. I think people are going to find out just how good Quinn Ewers is, and he gets to do it against a, a, a pack. 12 team, 10 team. I don't even know what that conference is because it's disintegrated. It's not going to exist anymore. But I think he's going to do it against a defense that really isn't that good. He's going to get the chance to shine. I think I think Texas is going to put up, say, 40, 41 plus points in this game. I'd agree with you. The uh, game line is Texas minus four. The over under the other day when I played it is 63 and a half. It's still 63 and a half. I could easily see that by Monday here, New Year's Day, because this is a taped segment. I could easily see that total being up around 66. I'm telling you right now, and we're going to have to save this on the record. And if I'm wrong, we're going to start out Tuesday playing this clip. Washington's defense cannot stop Texas. The Pac 12, the defensive lines in the Pac 12 are not good. The guys are undersized. And all the talent in the Pac-12 goes on the offensive side of the ball. That's why you have a team like USC rolling out seven touchdowns, six of them, sorry, six passing touchdowns for their backup quarterback in their their bowl game because they've got weapons at the speed positions. Washington has weapons at the speed positions. They're going to be able to score some points, I do believe, Dave, te- uh, against Texas. But Texas, they're just going to go up and up and down the field. I predict this game will have over 80 points scored combined. I think we could see something like 48 to 40. <laughs> well, that's aggressive. Now, I'm I'm not with you there because I, like I said, I think I think that that Washington wants games to be close. And if they find themselves down 14 nothing, 17 nothing early in that game, I, I think you could see them just kind of cave in. Like I, I could see the final score being a forty-one to seventeen or a forty-eight to ten game, where they Texas does their part, but Washington capitulates because they realize like they just don't have enough and they're not good enough to win that game early. And you see that a lot in college football. You watch these teams that once they know they can't win, they just they just give up. Like they they know they're all class. I really do. I mean, this Texas team beat Alabama in Alabama this year. And what I will tell you is that's the game that got them into the college football playoff. You know, they, they could have lost that game and then beaten Oklahoma, and I'm not so sure they get in. I don't think they do. Right? So, so the win in the best game on the road tells me a lot about Texas. tells me that they're, they're, they're ready. They're, they're battled to test it. Their physicality. And they're gonna give it a yeah, they're going to physicality. When you line up against a guy across the line of scrimmage staring at you, one's bigger and stronger than the other, or sometimes it's close. And, and you don't know who's bigger and stronger. We know Texas has squared up against the biggest and strongest on the other side, and they emerged victorious on the road at Alabama. What has Washington done? They've beaten Oregon. Okay, we'll see how Oregon does against Liberty here. <laughs> but I, I think the bigger factor is on offense, look at the weapons. We know Texas 
Quinures, we know, great quarterback prospect for the NFL, just typical. He can throw the ball down the field. With Washington, Michael Penix, I've been on Michael Penix since I had him to win the Heisman three years ago when he was at Indiana, and then he just had an injury history. Unfortunately, he got hurt like three years in a row. And then he goes to Washington. Now he stayed healthy. This is his second year over there. He's got a receiver. This Is it Odunze? Dave, I don't even know. He's a junior. O-D-U-N-Z-E. I, honestly, I don't even know how to pronounce the guy's name, but he is awesome. He's a first-round pick if he comes out in the NFL draft, definitely. Odunze, and he is. He is a first-round pick. So there's no doubt that Washington has talent at the wide receiver, and Michael Penix has thrown the ball up to him in several spots this year, right, in, in big plays, and the NBA has come down with the ball. And he's going to be, I think, a top 15 is my guess, right? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be three or four wide receivers that are going early. The Coleman kid from Florida State, I think, is NBA from Washington, and Malik Neighbors from LSU. Yes, Neighbors right, so. definitely is another one, and then Marvin Harrison, obviously. And Marvin Harrison, right? I think those four are all probably going to go 15. The NFL has really shifted, you know, gears in terms of understanding like wide receivers are are, are a much more important uh, piece to start building your team around. So Washington has that in this game, they do. But I, I think I've also told you there is, you know, Texas has a lot of weapons on their team, and don't get me wrong, like they have a wide receiver on that team worthy. <laughs> no, I think his game says I think he's playing. I feel pretty confident he's playing. I really, really like this kid Worthy from Texas. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like, I, I, we'll, we'll know more on Monday, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he's actually playing in this game or he's, you know, probable to play in this game. But he had a leg injury towards the end of the year. But he changes them. What I will say is the last three games of the year, I think Washington played one score games each game. Texas finished the, game, the year on the right note. They've won three games. They won all three by 25-plus points. Right, so Texas finished strong at the end of the year. Washington really had to scratch, claw, and grab for every game. Well, you know, at some point in time, it's hard to just keep winning games like that. Boy, all their wins. Yeah, all all their wins, Dave. At Arizona, they win by seven. At Oregon, 36-33. Arizona State, 15-7. Stanford, 42-33. USC, 52-42. 35-28 Utah. 22-20 Oregon State. These are the last three. Washington State, 24-21. Oregon, 34-31. So they've played a two-point game, a three-point game, and a three-point game in their last three. You're absolutely right. Washington, they just want to keep it close. Maybe there's too much scoring talent on tennis, uh, Texas. I'm, I'm with you that, that Texas is going to score. It's a coin flip game as to who wins. I'm kind of rooting for Washington. But no, now that you tell me you got the future play on Texas, I'll root for Texas. <laughs> I'm all in on Texas. Yeah, that was my that was my play I've all year long. I really like Quinn. It's a play on Quinn Ewers. Play on their quarterback, and, and if he's the player that I think he's going to be, I think Texas wins this game and wins it handily. I do not like the Pac-12. I like Washington. They've beaten Oregon twice as underdogs, so I, I, I like their story because I didn't understand really why people liked Oregon so much in the, the Pac-12 championship game, and Washington went ahead and beat them again. If it's a close game, you think maybe Washington wins, but you're expecting a Texas blowout. Yeah, I mean, how can you not like Michael Penix, right? You have to like his story, who he is, mm-hmm. and, and the underdog that Washington was. I mean, Washington was, was I think, an 8-point underdog, 10-point underdog in that game against Oregon that they won in the Pac-12 championship. Right, it's a good story. Of course, I, I, and I'm, a, I'm an underdog fan just like everybody else. I just think at some point in time the underdog card you know, kind of runs out. It runs its course, and I think this is, <laughs> I think this is the game. And you've, you're figuring over 63 and a half for the game, too? You're on the same side as me? So, again, I think it's a 
depends on on how close Washington's able to keep it early. But if I was going to make a play, yeah, I'm, I'm on the over because anytime you like a team to score over 40 points, I mean, you have to think it's probably going to go over 63. But if it's if it's close, if it's not close early, I don't expect I don't expect a lot of scoring late. I've watched Texas all game down once they get. Me. Well, there we go. That's how to finish strong for the year 2023. Nice work, Dave. We got a prediction on the books, people. Here we talk some games, and we like the over, and we like Texas, apparently, in the last one here tonight, New Year's Day. Thank you, everybody, for getting your year started the right way by listening to The Sports Machine with Slim here on WKXL Radio. We'll be here all 2024, baby, 10 to 11 o'clock, every day, weekdays. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and you can catch us on nhtalkradio.com. We'll talk to you soon.